By now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I As your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this dark, and I will lift my hand, cause you are who you are, no matter where I am, and every tear I Again, my strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? 
for pom pom. A newborn king to see power on for pom pom. Our finest gifts we bring power on for pom pom. To lay before the king power.
Hello, hello everybody. Welcome, welcome to Revolution Dug One Radio and the Diamond Light and Pearl Ministries. This is Mickey, your local high priest, rabbi, and minister. Well, what can I say? <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, very early. Uh, we'll be talking about the Holy Days, the return of the Biblical Feast to the, dis to the disciples of Jesus. Then I'll read the Medrash, or uh, what they call a dash of drash. Um, it's written by uh, Karen Hannon Heyer, and this one is D. Thomas Lancaster Doctor. Um, I'll be reading a portion tonight of this for Sunday, and this is Sunday's reading. It'll go out 9 a.m. Actually, 8 a.m. That's what we're doing with now. Um, there won't be no more music for a week. Um, it'll just be readings every day. Um, these readings are vital to the ministry. It's vital to you for study. And it's vital to me as a high priest. Um, it is what it is. So, let's find out. So, we're reading the Holy Days. Uh, we're going to go back over... This comes from the Fruits of Zion, and we uh, will read the introduction to chapter 1. Um, why Christians might consider keeping the Holy Days. Why would disciples of Jesus keep the Jewish Holy Days? Of course, number one, we know they were Jewish. In a previous book in this series, from Shabbat to, to Shabbat, Return to the Holy Shabbat, the Disciples of Jesus, which is another book I plan to get. I made an argument for Christians observing the weekly Sabbath. The same argument applies to the rest of the biblical holidays. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Trappets, the Day of Atonements, the Festivals of Booze, and the Eighth Day. Hmm, interesting. This book builds on the premises established by the earlier book, Extending the same logic to cover all the biblical feasts, or appointed times as they're called, uh, which Yahuwah, or in most cases, appointed. The connection with Yeshua. The, the, the holy days have their own merit and reward. 
the Jewish people, in my case, regard them as sanctuaries in time. Time. Opportunities to engage in the spiritual world, enter holy times, and receive blessings from the Almighty. Spiritualists. I'm a spiritualist in a way. They are days of elevating holiness, set aside for prayer, study, worship. They create an annual cycle of sanctification that keeps us on track with Yahuwah, growing and maturing in the Mashiach from year to year. For the disciples of Yeshua, the Bible, Biblical Holy Days, offer an opportunity to connect with our Master and our Holy Savior and live the living son of the Almighty, in this case, I look at him as one being. This is a Christian man from his perspective, so we've got to take it at that. Let me illustrate the concept. Pretend that you are happily married. You and your spouse share all sorts of little connections. For example, a certain song comes to on the radio and you say, Honey, they're playing our song. On the radio, and you say, honey, well, again, we make that analogy. What makes, what makes it your song? It's a connection that you share, something that triggers a memory for both of you and your reminder of each other. You celebrate a particular day of the year with a romantic dinner just because it happened to be an anniversary on the calendar day on which you were married. Mm -hmm. The other connection that you share. You wear a piece of jewelry that symbolizes your marriage, usually a ring, of course. The piece of jewelry creates a tangible connection between you and your spouse. In my case, I wear a Davidic ring on my right hand. The disciples, including making connections like that in both the big things and the little things, we need to be connected to our rabbi and teachers because ultimately he is our connection to the Father as he says, I am, I am in my Father as you are in me, and you, and I in you, we join Yahuwah by joining to our Master, and it says, it goes on, He who is joined to the Master becomes one spirit with him. And that's 1 Corinthians six seventeen. But remember, this book doesn't take the full context of the Jewish concept of what Yeshua is. This is from a Gentile perspective, um, from the fruits of Zion. Most Nazarite, which I'm a Nazarite believer, believe that Yeshua, Yahuwah, is one being. The Christian concept, they separate the two. But you have to look at... A father and son the son follows after the father so the father would be the first name and the other part of it would be the second name so let's go on see goes on always looking for opportunities to connect with Yeshua for being more Yeshua in our lives is a big way uh, the devout disciple of Yeshua does things he or she can't connect with Yeshua we learn his word 
we study his parables. We pray according to the ways he taught us to pray. We attempt to imitate his righteousness and his holiness. We enter into a spiritual union, in a sense, with him, bringing him into our hearts, receiving him into our lives, and asking him to live through us. We attempt to feel his presence and his guidance in our daily lives. We ask ourselves, what would Yeshua do? The devout Christian, here's instruction, relives Yeshua's life through the year. He or she celebrates Yeshua's birth at Christmas, preparing to face the cross at Lent, mourn the Master's death on Good Friday, and celebrates the resurrection on Easter. There are ways to join the Mashiach, making it a Kanishah connection to his life, or Kanesh. In Messianic Judaism, Messianic Jews don't always observe the Christian calendar or the Christian holidays, but that does not mean that those of us in the Messianic faith miss the opportunity to experience Kanish with the Mashiach. On contrary, the biblical festivals, the Jewish festivals, provide us with a regular cycle of opportunity like that. At Passover Seder, for example, our Mashiach, our Master, told us, his disciples, to henceforth take the cup, or the Seder, and unleavened matzah, bread, for the Seder, in remembrance of him. No difference. That makes the Seder and the whole festival of Passover an opportunity for the Messianic Jews, or Nazarite Jews in this case, and Messianic Gentiles, or Nazarite Gentiles too, connect with Yeshua. If we are looking for opportunities to connect with the Messiah, the biblical festivals are low-hanging fruit. They provide opportunity occasions for us to do what Yeshua would do to do what he did. They provide opportunity for us to celebrate his life. We can connect with the stories of his death, resurrection at Passover, and the story of his appearance and ascension during the continuing of the days of the Barley Omar, the story of the outpouring of his spirit at Pentecost, the story of his second coming at the festivals of trumpets, and the story of his atoning sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, the stories of his birth and his coming kingdom at the Festival of Booze. So we are going to stop there. Next week's segment on Sunday will be Blueprint for Redemption. So we are starting Season 4. So that completes Season 4. Um, now we are going to talk about a book that I read. Um, I'm going to read from it. The Medrash. Um, and I'll be doing this every Sunday. A dash of drash. Uh, focus with the focus on the imagination the midrash interpretation of certain areas of the rule word. We'll, uh, there'll be two sections, Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Um, right now, we're focusing on this part. Um, I'm going to stop here and I'll start back in a few minutes. So we are going to begin the A Dash of Drash. It's a study principle on the Midrash, Midrashic 
interpretation of things. So when you think of the Midrash, what's the Midrash? Uh, okay, so the introduction states this. What is a dash and what other with it? Mm. Once you begin to understand the Holy Writ, writing the text again and again, probing deeper and deeper, the illustrations flashing forth like flames of a coal fire, assuming many different forms and shades from ignite infinite are the facts of the Torah. Hmm. Interesting. Moshe chain results. Our aim in a dash of drash is to approach the, each persash from a different perspective. That of the interpretation applies in the drash. We will be in okay, or we will be encouraged to ask different questions and seek deeper answers, all of which would enrich our understanding of the word of Yeshua himself as a living word. I hope that as a result, our desire of spiritual growth will be nourished. Okay, this is the author. I'm talking about Midrash. So let's go on and see. Um, Hebraic tra tradition recognizes four major levels of interpretation of the Torah text referred to as the acronym or prasad of the Orkata. Interesting, they would call it an orchid. Prasash, or simple, the plain primary meaning, the face value of the text. What's the face value? Rinzu which is the clue, the analytical thinking context or concept of ideas, the, the, the literal interpretation or allegory. Dash, for example, to inquire. That's what it means. The level of homiletic personal application. And sod, the secret. Okay. The esoteric or mystical level. Searching for more intimate meaning for each level while it remains within the construction of the Bible's true and ethical moral and complements each other. The aim of Prasash, or Prasat in, it, in it, Italian, means the same thing, interprets the example. Uh, <coughs> Interpretation is the exploration of many levels or layers inherent in the biblical text. The collective life of every society is composed of a series of narratives, layering, superimposing one another or upon each other, the blend to form a composite whole. Similarities of each of our individual lives is an in, intrinsic and often beautiful weaving together of the narrative of our past, our present, and our joy, our fears, hopes, and dreams. Thus is the answer to the question, why would we concern ourselves with a dash or drash perspective of the Bible text? What does a homiletic view of the text offer? In addition to the factual, the historical, plain meaning of the text, Nehemiah 
Levitz, beloved, beloved teacher of the Torah in Israel from the early 1940s until her passing, assured the homolytics, homolytical explanation or midrash is simply another and deeper level of the text. Irene Newman, a prophetic translator into English of Lerowitz, excelled Hebrew Torah studies elaborated. The Creator, who knows through thoughts of man, chose to communicate the higher truth on which his world was built through subliminal artistry. Investing each word and letter with infinite depth of meaning, the Torah, according to the traditional view, is no mere literal, literal recording of histor historical events, a chronological of facts, historical or otherwise, but a higher selective manual of morals and lessons. We do need to be aware of the fact that there is a fine line between enjoying and exploring the creative medrashic interpretation and exploring the text to say something we want it to be. At the same time, we need to hold onto an inter integrated or of a form with following fears of the literal to hold us back. So, how do we interpret that? That's what it means. In the art of cooking, an informed dash of one or two of a wide variety of aromatic spices adds flavor, character to an already good dish. Turmeric in rice, cumin and garlic in lamb, coriander in curry, chili and cilantro in salsa. Likewise, a dash of drash adds interest, pleasure, and contributes to a good, healthy study of the Torah, or in this case it would be the Bible. May you enjoy the spiritual gastronomic adventure. So that's the first part of a dash of drash. Okay, I'm going to take a 10 minute, and then we are going to go over the Chronicles of the Messiah, the Mashiach, and that will end our whole segment. And uh, it actually went quite well, actually, i got to say. Um, I didn't expect to get it done this soon. Um, I welcome you at 8 and 6 in the evenings, or 5 in the evenings, actually. But that's not a chronological, but nevertheless, we will be having Sunday. It will be available. Um, I welcome you. Right now, I'm just doing the commentary on the books. And then we really start breaking down uh, these ideas. Um, getting into the meat and the raw. Our next study of the Midrash or the da a Dash of Drash is Genesis. What was Genesis about? And we will be going through each character in Genesis and what it really meant and the meat of the matter. Um, this 18 minutes is just a commentary view. Um, tomorrow we'll have another commentary and we'll take a break here and I'll be right back. Alright, hello everybody. So now we're going into the Chronicles of the Messiah or Mashiach. Um, we're going to the introduction. Um, this is talking about other books that we'll be looking at in the series. I have a total of seven. Uh, the introductions, this is Appendices for Teaching. 
by Dr. D. Thomas Lancaster. Um, again, I will do corrections and answers. The gospel harmonizes, harmonizes have been around almost as long as the gospel themselves. A true harmony of the gospels attempt to reconcile all the canon gospels into a continuous narrative. The first attempt at harmonizing that we know of goes all the way back to the middle middle of the second century when Catanian harmonized Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're talking about the harmony or flow uh, into his diastination. A gospel harmony attempts to harmonize a narrative of four gospels by synchronizing the chronological or chronologically of events and pairing them together with common materials. The original commentary of the Gospels fell under the title Torah Club, the Good News of the Mashiach in 2002. Under the study program, Torah Club students studied through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one after another, over the course of the year. And that's what we're going to do here. They, they studied the whole story of Yeshua four times, but not in any great depth. Fruits of Zion decided to reserve the publication of the commentaries under the title Torah Club Chronicles of the Mashiach, a company, Vine of David Release, Dushwitz Hebrew Gospels, or a Hebrew and English translation, which later I will purchase. More than a century ago, Rabbi Yitz, Yitzel Tetzov Lekotha, or all known as Tehorza, wrote the publications of the Hebrew commentary on a New Testament to accompany Frank Duarte's Hebrew New Testament. We want to, arg to augment the original 2002 Torah Club, The Good News of the Mashiach, by incorporating insights derived from these commentaries. I was happy to have the opportunity to revise the 2002 materials, but this time I want to present it as a harmony. Harmonizing the Gospels has obviously adventures. The harmonization allows the reader to study the life of the Mashiach as a continuous narrative. The conversiveness of the deceptionists of the four Gospels provide non-deception, in other words, additional insights into the story where the study side-by-side -side the harmonizing of the Gospels fill in details omitted by other by one gospel narrative or another presenting the chronological of the Mashiach as a harmonizing harmonize, harmony made impossible to wrap in depth the commentary of the gospel into an easy to read ongoing narrative I want to read to feel as if he has read a novel rather than a Bible commentary. Okay. Harmonization of the Gospels also has an obvious disadvantage. The Gospel harmonies make it far more difficult to distinguish the unique cons um, concerns and focus of an individual Gospel writing. Harmoni harmonies make it difficult to fully find a specific passage. 
because a harmony necessarily removes material from its original sequence in order to rearrange it according to the harmony sequence. The Chronicles of the Messiah, or the Mashiach, suffer from the same disadvantage. The harmony, harmonized nature of the commentary in, in Chronicles of the Messiah, or Mashiach, makes it difficult to read to find commentaries on specific passages. But remember, we, as believers, have to find that harmony in the Gospels itself. This is just an overview. Uh, his Gospel, his disciples... Remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me, or studies. You might naturally expect to find the commentaries on these passages somewhere, somewhere early on in the Chronicles of the Messiah. In the Gospels of John, the passages occur just after the wedding of Cana, or Cana and immediately before the conversation of Nicodemus. Interesting. <clears throat> two incidences from the early days of Yeshua's ministry. In Chronicles of the Messiah, however, the passages does not receive any discussion until the cleansing of the temple near the end of Yeshua's ministry and only a few days before his crucifixion. We realize we would need to create some stronger in-text index tool to help readers navigate the commentary. Interesting. To solve the difficulties involved with locating specific passages, we created several helpful tools which appear in this volume of the appendix and indices. This volume also contains useful charts, maps, diagrams, etc., which we'll be looking at. Uh, glossaries, times, and bibliographies, a few charts, maps, diagrams, original appearances in the line of David, Dustwich Gospels. Unlike other Gospel harmonies, the Chronicles of the Messiah, or Mashiach, go one step further by comparing materials from non-canonical sources, such as fragments of the Lost Gospels, the Apocrypha, Gospels of Thomas, and similar Gospels of the Apocrypha. These materials appear scattered throughout the Chronicle. For the reader's convenience, we have provided an index to non-chronological Gospel passages in Chronicles of the Messiah. So we will also be covering Thomas and some other in-depth stuff. And we have collected our favorite together in one location in this volume. In addition to the items mentioned above, we have the opportunity to republish my original essay, An Introduction to the Gospels, which I wrote with Boaz McHale for the front matter of the Dutchwich Hebrew Gospel, which I plan to get. I wrote the essay at the time that I was nearing the completion of my work on the Chronicles of the Messiah. The essay's unique summarizes my impression after a year of research and writing of the Gospels. Now remember, this man did research, but I also corrected him in his book that he had Yeshua separated. Most Nazarite Jews believe he's one entity. Um, 
And we'll go on to say here, the essay uniquely summarizes the impression after a year of research and writing of the Gospels. We have also included a few penetrating articles from Mashiach's magazine and Mashiach's journals, which we will go over, which provide important context information from the story Gospels. I originally published the birth of Yeshua at Sukkot. Interesting. Evidence from the old sources in the Mashiach journals. Three of 2012, more than a year after I completed writing the Chronicles of the Mashiach. I wanted to include the articles here as an adrenum to the Chronicles because it contains information that I did not have at the time I wrote the Master's Nativity. My article, Man of Sorrow, The Suffering Servant in Jewish Interpretation, originally appeared in Torah Club, Voice of the Prophets, which is another book which I'll be publishing or getting, and the Messiah Journal, 107-2011. This important essay reveals the interpretative framework around the apostolic identity of Isaiah 53. Suffering Servant was Yeshua of Nazareth, along with the same line and in the same issue of the Mashiach Journal. Toby Jackie and I published a co-writing article titled Suffering Tzeki. Interesting. Lucky Tzeki. How does the death of Mashiach bring atonement? This article explains in a Jewish terms the central premise of the New Testament's assertion of the death of Yeshua's atonement for sin. Finally, we have opted to include my brother Stephen L. Lancaster's Doctor Again, extensive article, The Master's Tomb in Jerusalem and the Apostolic Memory of the First Century. An abbreviated version of this article appears in Mashiach Magazine 95, 2007, but the full version has never been published before. This article made a convenient argument for the identity of the location of the Jewish tomb within Jerusalem Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which, again, I think it was somewhere else near where he was crucified on Golgotha. My commentary on the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Chronicles of Messiah lean heavily on this article, so I have I am happy to see it is finally printed in full. So, the next part, we will be talking about the introduction to the Gospels. Um, it talks about the early days and everything. That will be next Sunday. So, we have finished our course. Um, I'm taking you through the whole appendices, and then we'll start the first book. Quite in depth. Um, the Chronicles of the Messiah cover history from other sources that talk about the crucifixion to logos of the Bible, you name it. Um, and this is how it's going to be for the first series. Um, this is pretty much the structure, and I'm finished with it. So I will say adieu, Shabbat Shalom to you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel, and pray for the people of our nation, and not for the current situation in the White House right now. I don't support that. Uh, but I'll pray for you. Pray for me. Pray for Impact Church. And if you live in the local area, you know where Impact's at. It's 2319 South 6th Street. Um, 
the senior pastor there is David Amos. I encourage you. Um, I'm just a local teacher that does my radio station each week. Uh, and I love yous, and my ministry loves yous, and my radio station loves yous, and I love you all. And you have a wonderful Hanukkah and Christmas.